so good to be with you today. Uh, we're starting today a series called Prayer for Normal People. Okay. We have to specify that because, you know, sometimes people pray and it's not so normal. You know? Have you, have you ever heard somebody beseech the Lord? <laughs> oh, Lord, I beseech thee. If I've, I just got to say, if I've ever beseeched you, I'm really sorry. I don't know if I have or not, because I'm not really sure what it means. Oh, Lord, we beseech the... If that's how you talk, good for you. You should beseech the Lord a little bit. But for the rest of us normal people, we got to use some normal words. Uh, this week, my son was a little bit scared one night, and I said, Caleb, if you're scared, what do you do? And he said, and he prayed a prayer, a spiritual warfare prayer, that was very normal for a second grader. Jesus, please give me your peace and help me not be scared. Normal words. He continued in second grade fashion. And Satan, you leave me alone. You are so stupid. Leave me alone. You are a cotton-headed ninny-muggins. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and one-half foot pull. I command you with the power of Jesus inside me to stick your finger up your nose. I'm not making this up. Stick your finger up your nose, pull out a booger, and then stick it in your mouth and suck on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job, Caleb. If the second grader is going to tell somebody off, that's how they do Those are the words. Right? And when you're praying to God, when you're talking to God, you should use your words. Yes. Prayer for normal people. That's what we're talking about. Uh, and we're, we're, this is coinciding, obviously, with the 21 days of prayer. Starting today, for the next 21 days, we're going to have a prayer meeting every single day, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. right here or online. At 10 a.m. on Saturdays, we'll be right here in this room. Um, and there's a lot of information for you to... Uh, you know, if you're like, what, 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 when was it? Well, how do I, where's the link? Just go to newhope.in and look for the card that says 21 days of prayer. There's a bunch right there for you, a lot of resources. Um, because we need to start our, our year out with prayer. We need to re realign our, our hearts to the Lord. Along with prayer, during this 21-day season in January, I want to encourage everyone to ask the Lord if he wants you to fast. I think he does. Fasting means we abstain from, uh, from something that's good just because it's not God. And it's just something we do for a season. I like to say we starve the flesh to feed the spirit. You know if you're blind, you hear better? So if you can say no to, if you can shut off something here, you'll hear better. You'll, you'll, something else will grow. We starve the flesh to feed the spirit. Often it's a type of food, but it can be other things too. It can be other things. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't fast from food because of a, of a health reason. Just a quick, quick story. This, this works. I, I needed a summer job a long, long time ago and thought, oh, how's it going to happen? And it was really immature for me to do it this way, but whatever, it worked. And I, I, said, I said, God, I need a job. And I didn't tell anybody. I took no action steps on my own. Very immature. I said, God, I need a job, but you could do it. So I fasted for three days. I said, God, you, I know you're going to give me a job in three days, miraculously, without me even applying. <laughs> And it worked. Monday I fasted, Tuesday I fasted, Wednesday I was so hungry. And somebody at church comes up and says, says, hey, do you need a job this summer? Yes. Will you come see me at my office tomorrow? Yes. Where are the Cheetos? Like, just <laughs> ready. 
If you need a breakthrough in your life, you need something to break off of yours. I encourage you, starve the flesh somewhere to feed your spirit and participate with the 21 days of prayer, not just with praying, but with fasting too. You gotta break control off of that something else that has on you and God will break through into your life. This is only really just the, the, I'm gonna give you like two sermons in one, okay? Are you ready for the next three minutes? I'm gonna give you a whole sermon called Quick and Dirty Fasting Tips. If you wanna take a step into fasting, here you go. Three-minute sermon. Number one, fasting is not a diet. If you're not replacing the food or replacing the time that you would have spent on that video game or replacing your, your Facebook time, if you're not replacing that with reading your Bible or praying, you're, you're, not, you're not fasting, you're just dieting. Number two, fasting is about surrender, not suffering. It's not about su suffering, it's about surrender. Some of you are gonna go through a caffeine withdrawal or gonna go through sugar withdrawal or you're gonna go through fear of missing out when you're not picking up your phone every five minutes. If you're fasting, some of you are gonna go through some kinds of withdrawal. And, and you know, there's this thought that can come into our mind like, oh yes, yeah. I need to feel every ache just like Jesus did on the cross. No, by his stripes you were healed. Take an Advil. It's okay. It's not about <laughs> suffering. It's about surrender. All right, number three, embrace the growl. When you feel your stomach growl in a fasting season, let it remind you to go spend time with God. When you feel the FOMO itch, like, uh, what's happening? I got to pick up my phone again. It's not in my hand all the time. If that's the thing, let that growl remind you to go spend more time with God, because that's what this is about. We're, we're starving the flesh to feed the spirit. Number four, if you goof, hit the delete key and continue. This is not about doing one exact thing for 21 days. This is about a 21-day period of time where we get to reorient our lives towards Jesus. So if you're fasting from all food and, and you're, you're driving down the road and you're like, oh, I can't take it, and you pull in and get a Big Mac, it's okay, just hit the delete key and keep going. Todd, could you get that chair for me, please? Number five, don't fast to be seen, but you can be seen fasting. When Jesus told his disciples to fast in secret, uh, he was correcting something where people were fasting to be seen. They weren't doing it to get closer with God. They were doing it to be seen and revered by everyone else around them. So he says, what you do, do in secret. You can be seen fasting. If, if no one sees you fast, how's your family going to know to do it? How's your kids going to learn how to do it? Thank you, Todd. So it's okay to be seen fasting. Your family, in fact, I, I would say your family probably should know that uh, you're fasting. Oh, down I go. And number six, consult your doctor. If you're going to fast food, if you're going to do something that might not be healthy for you, um, it's a good idea to talk with your doctor. Fasting from food is a good idea for a lot of people. It's not a good idea for some people, so there you go. Quick and dirty fasting tips. You didn't know you were going to get two sermons today, did you? And you got them. This series isn't about fasting. It's about prayer. Sorry, my back is hurting right now, so I got to situate myself. It's about prayer. Anyone ever feel like you're kind of bad at prayer? Maybe, maybe you're not sure how to pray. You feel like you're inadequate at prayer. You're confused when you start to pray. Perhaps if other people here knew how often you prayed, you'd be pretty embarrassed. You'd be sinking in your seat right now. Maybe you feel comfortable praying, but you just kind of wonder if God really heard you. 
Maybe you feel guilty you don't pray enough. Maybe you're not sure if you're doing it right. Maybe you feel intimidated to pray or pray out loud. You know, you can do it in your head, but if you are supposed to actually open your mouth, that's a different story. Or maybe you just don't feel like you're good enough to talk to God. Anybody else struggle sometimes? Is it just me? I think the hardest thing about praying is remembering that it's, it's not thinking or journaling. There's actually a person on the other side of the words. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real person on the other side of the words named Jesus. If we want to see a spiritual, spiritual awakening, let me define a spiritual awakening. I think a spiritual awakening is when the heavenly realm and the earthly realm intermingle. Wherever there's a heavenly realm and an earthly realm that intermingle, something's awakening. What happens in the intermingling? Truth happens in the intermingling. Freedom happens in the intermingling. Miracles happen in the intermingling. Healing, glory, wisdom and direction, miraculous provision. These things occur in the intermingling of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. And prayer is what invites us into the intermingling. Things can change in your job. Things can change in your relationships. Things can change at school. Things can change. Your problems can intermingle with God's power. What would happen if your problem intermingled with God's power? Something. God is so good and so powerful and so available to us. And that's what I want you to see in this series. He's so good, so powerful, and so available to us. What does that look like? It looks like prayer. It looks like prayer. It's talking with God. So in this series, our goal is to teach you instructionally how to pray and inspirationally prod you to do it. So can I do a little prodding? All right. I'm going to stir it up. Here we go. Week one is the value of prayer. Number one, the priority of prayer. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, or if you're on the, uh, on the website, it's there for you. The priority of prayer. The spiritual principle here is the principle of firsts. God wants to be number one. It's his thing. He's allowed to be number one. He wants to be first, and he gets to be first. In fact, he said, the first commandment that he had for us, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm number one. So we do this in a lot of ways. We prioritize God first. We, we, we rest on the first day. That's the Sabbath. It's the first day. Not midweek, first day. Not we'll take a break halfway. It's first day. You give it to God. We tithe on the first fruits. It's the first thing my wife and I do. 10%, boom, goes to the church. We're doing the 21 days of prayer right now at the first of the year. Prayer meetings will be at the beginning of the day. God's going to be first. It's his thing. It's priorities. So before your decision, pray. Before you send that text, pray first. Before you sign that deal, pray first. Before you call the doctor, pray first. We all make different things a priority, don't we? 
We make, a, make food a priority. We, we, have, we have grocery lists. We make lists for it. Or, or if you don't write it, you, maybe you, we have click lists. It's a whole special kind of list just for food, a click list. We do meal planning. We do meal prepping. We budget for it. We prioritize healthy food to eat because physical health matters to us. You know what else should matter to us? Spiritual health should matter to us. So you can have a prayer list. And if you put it on your phone, you can even click on it. It's a new click list. It's a prayer click list. Get your heart out, Kroger. You can have a prayer journal. You can plan to do it and put it on your calendar because of the priority of prayer. I think one of the hardest things about making prayer a priority is that I don't always see an immediate result. I don't, I don't know it worked, right? Like if I'm making a pizza in 20 minutes, oh, it worked. But when I pray, it's not ding. It's like I want a microwave prayer. Like here it is. But we don't think that way about other things. You can, I, I really would be surprised if anyone here can tell me what you had for dinner five Thursdays ago. Like, if you can, that was, that, was, that was some meal. That was some meal. But you probably can't tell me what you had for dinner five Thursdays ago. But you know what? It, it nourished you. It nourished you. You ate it, and you felt better after you ate it. You can, you can remember that. You probably ate dinner five Thursdays ago, and if you did, it nourished you. And the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. You don't remember the thi- every, every little thing, but you know it's doing something. See, small things done with consistency over time become big things. Somebody should tweet that. Small things done with consistency over time become big things. Um, I have a music degree, and I would go, well, in piano, right? So... For six months, it was the most frustrating thing ever. For six months, I would play the same thing on the piano at the same tempo. I couldn't go faster. I wasn't getting better. I'm like, this is so stupid. Nothing's happening. But do you know what was happening for six months? My, my brain was forming paths to tell my fingers what to do. And then at six months, I didn't just get three, three beats per minute faster. It's like 20 beats per minute faster, 60. Like, I know it. I have it. And it's all memorized. No improvement for six months, and then just everything clicks. This is a common phenomenon that happens with piano players. No improvement. And then everything clicks. Was the six months useless? No, the six months was building a road that you just didn't see happen yet. Little things done with consistency over time become big things. That works for bad things, too. Little bad things in your life done with consistency over time will become a big thing. Jesus told a parable of the small seed able to become a huge tree. And in the same parable, he told a a story of a little bit of yeast growing throughout a massive amount of dough. So Pastor Adam, you're saying that if I just participate in some of these one-hour prayer meetings for for three weeks, my life is going to change? Yep. Yep, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. If you're going to run a marathon, you don't start out with a 26-mile run. 
If you're going to work on a marathon, you do training runs. And so, yeah, 21 three-mile runs will get you pretty close to a marathon. That's how you prep for it. Three weeks of playing piano will change how you understand music. Yes, yes. One-hour prayer meetings for 21 days will change your life. So tomorrow morning at 7 in the morning, are you going to be here or are you going to be online? And if neither, like, are, are you going to participate? Why not? If you have a, a challenge with, um, with your, your timing, like maybe you have to work earlier or something, um, all of the, the prayer sessions that we're using um, are going to be on an app, and I'll tell you more about that in just a minute as well. You can participate with that um, like at 10 or at 1 or later in the night. I hope you engage with us whenever you're available. And if you come at 7 and walk out at 7.30, no one's going to think you're stupid. They're going to think you probably have something to do at 7.35. It's okay. No judgment. Let's just, let's just go, go as hard as we can towards Jesus. Amen. Let's just go as hard as we can towards Jesus. That's the idea here. All right, number two, the place of prayer. It can be very helpful to have a place, and I'm talking a physical place, where you engage with God in prayer. In the Old Testament, Moses had the tent of meeting. That's what he called it. This was the physical place where there, there was an intermingling of heaven and earth at the tent of meeting. You can ch check this out in Exodus 33. There's the stories in Exodus 33. It says, Now Moses used to have a tent and pitch it outside of the camp some distance away. So it was a special place, calling it the tent of meeting. So there was a place outside of normal routine, outside of camp, outside of where, he, of where he did everything else and all the other stuff was happening, outside of normal. He had a tent of meeting. He had a place. Verse 9 goes on. As Moses went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. So we see a special visitation or a special intermingling of heaven the realm and earth realm occur when we prioritize that place. And there God spoke with Moses. As you read Exodus, it's really clear. Like I get this feeling that Moses and God just kind of had a friendship that I, like I really want. In fact, in fact that same, the same passage goes on. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I want that for us this year. What would it be like for God to, for, to feel like God was speaking to you face to face? We can all have that. That's available to every believer. We just have to run to him. The next part of that verse says, then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua, you know, his aid, you know, his aid. It's not like he gets his own book after this one. <laughs> Where did Joshua learn it? He learned it from Moses. His young aide Joshua sat outside the tent, and the tent wasn't soundproof. If there's anybody around you, okay, it's all of us, if there's anybody behind you, meaning maturity or age, so with the exception of the youngest baby, 
You get to lead the way. You get to be an example. You get to be an example to the young aide around you. The tent's not airproof. Airproof. The tent's not soundproof. So let's set the course. Right after the story in Exodus 33, Exodus 34, the, the story of the tent of meeting, right after that, the story expands to show that the time in the tent paved the way for God to spend time with Moses outside the tent. In Exodus 34, Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. And he did. And he renewed his covenant. The Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, will do, I will do wonders. Never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. So get a place. Get a place these 21 days. Get a rock in the woods. Get a chair with a blanket. Get a, get a basement. Get an attic. Get a, get a front seat of your car. Get a desk with a nightlight. Whatever it is. Get, a, get your tent of meeting. The people that are going to get baptized can go right now and go ahead and get ready. So excited for this. My bud's going. My son's getting baptized today. So excited. All right, number three. The plan of prayer. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 tells us this story. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, we don't need to get into the specifics of what he said. We'll be doing that later. But there was a plan. Jesus established a plan of praying. He established patterns. There's a plan to prayer. Anyone that's married or in a relationship, you understand that closeness doesn't just automatically happen. Sometimes you've got to plan it. And when it comes to prayer, a plan can really help you keep your heart on track. You know, there's, we could talk about the practicals of a prayer plan. It's really not the same for, for two people, I think. Everybody's prayer plan looks a little different. Some people want to pray while walking so they don't fall asleep. Some people want to pray while sitting. I had a season in my life where I just couldn't pray with my eyes closed. If I prayed with my eyes closed, I was out. So I started praying with my eyes open. Pray with your eyes open, pray with your eyes closed, pray to music, pray with scripture, pray out loud. If you want to pray out loud to stay focused, I like to pray out loud. Maybe you need to pray with a journal so you slow down. This is my favorite. Slow down, process your communication with God and his communication back to you while writing. In fact, at the information table, we have some pray, pray first prayer guides that we printed for you. Uh, and I encourage you to stop by the information table and grab one of these. Or if you go to newhope.in on the 21 Days of Prayer page, um, scroll down a little bit and there's a link where you can get the Pray First app. The Pray First app has a lot of the same information. And on top of it, it's awesome. You all should get this app. Like, you can, you can um, go through a guided prayer, either through the written word, and it's like guiding you, now, now, now think about this. Or you hit a button, and it plays music, and guides you, like put in some AirPods or something, and it guides you. Like, it says something about prayer, now take two minutes 
and tell God how great he is. Music plays. Now for a few minutes, tell God what's on your heart. Whew, that, that's gonna make you be focused. If your mind wanders when you pray, whoa, get the Pray First app. That's uh, in the, the sermon notes right now and it's also on the uh, 20, 21 Days of Prayer app as well. I encourage you to grab that. One of them. Here's one plan. You can, you can uh, present your praise. This is a plan I've heard. Present your praise. Present your heart. Present your day. I present my praise. Lord, you are so good. I thank you for life. Present your heart. What's going on inside you? Ask God to give you more awareness of what's inside of you. Present your heart to the Lord. And present your day. Can you meet me, can you meet me God? Can, will you meet me? Will you meet my financial need? Lord, please meet, meet my son who's struggling right now and he's falling away from you. Will you meet him? Here's another plan you could use. P-R-A-Y. We're going to actually be talking about this one in the next uh, few weeks. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Pause before the Lord. Consider how great he is. Recognize him. Rejoice. Celebrate your relationship with God. Ask. Ask God for what you need in your world. And then yield. Trust him. Trust him. The bottom line is a plan of prayer needs to be ongoing and intentional with moments of connecting with God. I hope you take advantage of some plans. And again, we this prayer guide is going to give you a bunch of plans. So will the Pray First app. Get the Pray First app. You will love it. You will love it. I want to show you a picture of a, a guy named Nick uh, Vujicic. You might have seen him. He was born with no arms and no legs. And as a child, he tried to kill himself. But he later came to know Jesus. And now he's an evangelist. He's a motivational speaker. He tells people that there is hope for your life. And uh, not only is he a public speaker, but he's a public speaker with a wife and, and several children. In 2014, Nick posted this photo to Facebook. A few years after his son uh, was giving him a hug. And of, of getting a hug from his son, he says, he says, my son gets to decide how tight to squeeze. My son gets to decide how long the hugs last. You know how you, you give somebody a hug and when you're done you kind of just, you give the, the squeeze like, yeah, it's, we're done. Nick, Voyagek doesn't get to do that. His son decides. When I heard that, I, I started to think about our relationship with God. I think God gives us that same freedom. We get to decide how long we cling to him. We get to decide how tight we cling. We get to decide how long we spend with him. Do you want to see the intermingling of your problem with the heavenly realm? What, what would happen if God's power intermingled with your problem? It starts by valuing prayer.